afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Notre Dame Stadium. Zivikowski trying to get to the outside. He has blockers in front. Time for Zivikowski. Belong to beat. Shakes it off. To the five and touchdown. And now it is down. It is over. And the Irish have knocked off number one Clemson. Brady Quinn looking. Pump fakes. He rolls to the near side. Throws it. It's caught by Samaja. Inside the 20. Inside the 10. He's going in. Notre Dame has scored. Jones is the back. He's got it again. And Jones a letter room. Tony Jones makes a cut. Gets a block. And scores. Is that the play that will seal the playoff bid for Fighting Irish? All right. Welcome to Sons of Saturday Irish. I'm Tyler Rojack. He's Luke Smith. And we are depressed. Um, if you guys are listening to this, you know it happened yesterday, but it bears repeating. The unranked Marshall Thundering Herd of the Sun Belt Conference came into Notre Dame Stadium and beat the eighth-ranked Fighting Irish in Marcus Freeman's first home game as a head coach. Before we get going, please like and subscribe to the video below. Please do that now. It would really help us out, help our moods a little bit. And, um, yeah, I'm going to pull you guys behind the curtain here a little bit. Normally, we have, like, there's, like, a lot of prep work, a lot of planned segments we have for you. Today, we're just going to riff for however long we need. This is basically a therapy session. That was one of the worst, most disgusting, inexcusable losses of our entire lifetimes as Notre Dame fans. And um, the sky is falling. But other than that, Luke, how are you doing? Excellent. Um, <laughs> yeah, no preparation is uh, in honor of what happened in the game yesterday because there was none of that either. But, uh, yeah, you said it. That's the worst one. Um, I, I, uh, I fortunately managed to miss the Navy game that snapped the streak, UConn and Tulsa. I was at USF and Duke. Those are pretty bad. This one is worlds, worlds worse, uh, just with the level of expectation you consider going into the game, uh, and just like every, the buildup that we've had for 10 months about this dawning of a new day. And by the way, we haven't even mentioned that. Our starting quarterback, who may not have been very good anyways, might be done for the year now, too. So there's yeah. just there's and not we, a whole lot of we, positives. We should to take clarify, out. we're recording this at 10 a.m. Pacific time, noon central. Yeah. At the moment, there's been no official word on the severity of Tyler Buckner's injury, but from what we have heard, it's it doesn't sound too great. <laughs> I think Quinn Ewers, the Texas quarterback, his injury looked pretty similar to what Buckner had when they both went down, both landed on their left shoulder. I think it just came out that Quinn Ewers is out four to six weeks with an AC sprain. That would be honestly great for Notre Dame if that's the case, but we we have no idea. So by the time you're listening to this, this might have changed, but I think for the sake of this podcast, we should just assume that Buckner is going to be out for a really extended period of time. Awesome. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, at least we can kind of laugh about this. Like, Notre there's going to be a Mar- lot of laughing. Yeah, Notre Dame lost to Marshall. Like, that's just a ridiculous. Somebody sent me a text yesterday after the game. They were just kind of riffing. Uh, actually, it was our friend Tyler Williams. And what did he say? He said it was. Re- it wasn't wrong either, but he said at the end of the day, Marshall just wanted it more. It's like. Jesus, like what a ridiculous statement, but unfortunately, that is true. Uh, and, it, and it showed. It didn't really seem like anybody on that field yesterday besides Michael Mayer and Tariq Bracey and 
I don't know anybody else. Maybe Brandon Joseph gave a shit. So um, I don't have a lot of nice things to say about anybody on that team. Uh, it's it's an embarrassment to the university. It truly is. And um, that should never happen. And I, I, I don't know if we've just spent too much time doing these stupid videos in Vegas and launching, you know, merch ads and all these NIL shit. Fucking play football. Like, just get your head out of your ass and don't lose to Marshall. Sorry. That was a little just a two minutes rant there. I, I imagine there's going to be a lot of ranting today. Yeah, I don't really even know where to begin, where it all went wrong. Um, I definitely was nervous pretty pretty early on in the game. You could just tell that Marshall was prepared. They were not afraid of the moment at all. And Notre Dame just came out. And, and from the very beginning, you could sense that this is this is going to be one of those games. And it reminded me at the beginning so much of the Toledo game last year. Just a weird... Opener. We had sort of talked about it in the pregame. Um, could this potentially be another Toledo situation? And we felt like because of what happened in Week One, Notre Dame was going to come out strong and determined to make sure that that would not happen again. And now, I, I don't even know what to make of what happened in Columbus. The, the, the thing is, now everything is even weirder. Like if you're an Ohio State fan and you see Notre Dame losing to Marshall, it's got to cause some concern for your program, right? I would have to think so. Um, actually, I did see there was an Ohio State fan I follow on Twitter yesterday. This was the one guy I chirped back at. He was like, uh, at least Notre Dame lost early, so you don't have to see them their overrated team again in the playoffs. And he's an Ohio State fan. I'm like, hey, buddy, Marshall put up more on Notre Dame than your dumbass team did. So I, I don't know why you would be talking shit right now. But anyways, um, yeah, I would be concerned. Um that's like kind of the unfortunate part about this is, and we talked about this last night is that like, it kind of feels like this season has the potential to be really wacky and we might just be terrible. So like, it kind of takes your interest out of it while the rest of the sport is still really fun. Like that BYU Baylor game that nobody wanted to win last night was great. Yeah. But, um, but like, I don't know. It's just, it's hard to be as invested when your team stinks. Yeah, I think in the spirit of making this a therapy session, we should discuss like how we're feeling right now because I'm sure there's a lot of you listening that can relate to this as well. This is sort of where I'm at. Okay, so I woke up this morning with a sick, sick feeling in my stomach. Like, yep. And it was a little bit before I was supposed to wake up, and I had this realization like, no, no, that actually happened. Notre Dame lost to Marshall at home. And not only did they lose, they got pretty soundly beaten down. Like, it wasn't like a fluke game, it no. wasn't like. You know, a muff punt, fumble, you know, a targeting penalty or anything like that that led to a star player being out. No, Marshall came in and just soundly beat down Notre Dame. Notre Dame should have lost by double digits. They didn't because of a garbage time touchdown. But I woke up with a sick feeling in my stomach. Yesterday, I was just hearing it from all my colleagues at work. That sucked. And now I feel like I can't enjoy anything. It's just like having this bad taste in my mouth perpetually. And it's going to be that way the rest of the season because I think you and I are on the same page here. It's probably going to get a lot worse before it gets better. And <sighs> I, we were watching that Baylor-BYU game last night. We are texting because if you haven't seen or watched the highlights, I encourage you because these two, two, two teams refused to win three missed field goals at the end of regulation and in overtime. Mark Jones, the commentator for ESPN, shout out to him. He was hysterical, just roasting both of their teams and how bad they were playing there at the end. Um, so I couldn't even really enjoy that, though. And I think that's going to be the most unfortunate part about this whole season is like when Notre Dame sucks, like really sucks, which they might now, it, it just sucks the life out of the entire season and a sport that you and I both love so much. Yeah, 
Uh, and well, the Bears just kicked off, but I, I think they might Jesus be the worst Christ. team in the. They might be the worst team in the NFL this year. Well, uh, but, at least you didn't pay a pervert two hundred thirty million dollars like the Browns, dude. That's where we're at. So yeah, maybe we're just out on football. Yeah, uh, and there's no playoff baseball for me to save me. So yeah, this is a bad. This is just a bad year. I'll be honest. It's a really bad year. Uh, it's not everything, but uh, yeah, there's there is no joy in South Bend and Chicago. Isn't it just downpouring in Chicago? Oh, it's a it is a monsoon. <laughs> it is like it, it could not be more gross out today. <laughs> Are the Bears playing a home game? Yeah, dude, and they just put in new grass last week, and somebody took a video of like it was literally five inches of water on the grass. It just looked like it's, that game is going to be disgusting. Oh my god! Yeah, I mean the Browns play uh, the Panthers today. Baker Mayfield, former Brown quarterback, is probably going to light them up for like four fifty because you know whatever. Yeah. That's just how it's going to go. All right, so that's how we're feeling right now. Let's talk about Tyler Buckner. He goes down in uh, the fourth quarter. Um, after throwing a pick six that all but sealed it, I think anyone with two eyes or even one eye watching could tell that Buckner was just having – he wasn't having a really good game uh, throwing the ball. That's for sure. He missed a bunch of deep shots. No, he could never really find his rhythm. And he was honestly Notre Dame's best run, rushing option. They could not really get anything going with any ru- running back other than Chris Tyree, but they only gave him three carries. And now – Buckner goes down, like I said, at the time of this recording, we don't know, but we're going to assume that he's out for months. That means Drew Pine is going to be the starting quarterback. Now, in fairness to Drew Pine, he did come in in unfortunate circumstances, but I've never in my entire life seen a backup quarterback come in and just look less prepared for the moment. That pick that Drew Pine threw was actually comically fast. He came out and immediately threw it. So that's probably going to be Notre Dame's quarterback going forward. How do you feel about it? Uh, terrible, but, um, (laughs) I'm gonna, I'm gonna fight back a little bit against worst backup quarterback showing. I would actually argue that that goes to Deshaun Kaiser in 2018 when the Bears played the Packers and Rodgers went out very briefly and Khalil Mack pretty much killed Kaiser. Um, I I think that that probably goes up for me. I think he had a pick and a fumble in like four snaps. (laughs) I thought you were going to say like, uh, Joe Montana's kid in that Michigan game back in 2010. That's the thing is. What that was the very early Brian Kelly days, and all of a sudden, have we just gone back in time? Notre Dame sucks. They're losing to teams they shouldn't to or they shouldn't lose to at home, and now there there's a quarterback issue. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we have Deloitte consultant as our quarterback now. I guess um, it's going to be bad. Like th- this team might be. I really don't want to come <laughs> off this negative, but there's there's really no other way to like this team is going to be unwatchable. They really are on offense, and they were already pretty close to it. But like, holy hell, what are we going to do? Because it's going to be really, really bad. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful to anybody, but Jesus Christ, like I, I just got nothing. <laughs> when Pine came in, immediately you're just like, oh god, this isn't going to work. Uh, like right away and it was it wasn't like there's a whole lot going for Notre Dame to begin with and I understand the fan unrest about Buckner and his performance and if you're looking at it like okay well Buckner gets hurt it's not like he was doing a whole hell of a lot anyway what difference does it make well the difference is that the staff actually believes in Buckner as the quarterback of the future and I understand that his he's gotten off to a really rocky start here but this season is a wash anyway 
like by losing to Marshall, no, Notre Dame's not competing for a playoff. Everything about this season now is positioning yourself for the future. And there is not a single positive about Buckner not playing this season because he's got a big learning curve he's got to go through. At least he could develop this season. You know, if he's going to make the mistakes, make them now when the season is already over and learn on the job. Because now Notre Dame's in a situation where he's not going to play probably for a couple months, let's say at the very least. And Drew Pine's out there. No one on the staff believes that Drew Pine is going to be the quarterback of the future and say, hey, maybe, you know, in fairness to Drew, maybe he has a good season and uh, surprises some people. Is it going to be enough for the Notre Dame staff to be like, commit to him, say, this is our guy, like a Deshaun Kaiser situation back in 2015? I just highly doubt it. I'm sorry. I guess we'll have to wait and see. And then you're looking at a situation where does Notre Dame have to get a grad transfer quarterback this after the season, potentially? Because how do you just put your faith in Buckner figuring things out when he missed this whole year? Like, it, it's one thing to lose to Marshall. It's another when now the future of the entire program is in jeopardy after two weeks in the season. Yeah, I mean, I bet Peyton Bowen decommits on Monday. <laughs> I well, would. I, he's not going to go to A&M. They lost to App State. True, but I think he might go to OU. Um, it, it was hilarious that Tom Loy tweeted out uh, that in the fourth quarter, Jeremiah Love was visiting. I think Notre Dame thought they're going to get a commitment this weekend. I don't know about that. They didn't have him watch the fourth quarter. Chad, Chad Bowden drove him around campus on a golf cart in the fourth quarter, which is ridiculous. Honestly, kind of makes me question the operation a little bit. Um, like you should be a little bit more invested in the game, but like, yeah, that that did happen. I maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's not. I don't know. The one thing, like, is Notre Dame going to start losing all their recruits? I don't I don't really see that happening because the one thing is when you have a bad team, you can always spin it around to your recruits saying, we need you more now than ever. You come in right. and you can say, hey, there's quicker access to playing time, which is appealing to all these recruits. The The most shocking thing about it, and I've, I've already mentioned it, like the parallels to the start of the Brian Kelly era where just things were a mess. There's a quarterback I don't even know if it's a competition per se, but just the quarterback position is in a nightmare scenario right now. It's it's inexcusable. I think now we should sort of segue into the coaching staff because the situation that Marcus Freeman inherited is not even close to what Brian Kelly inherited. And all the you know all the vitriol that Notre Dame fans have for Brian Kelly at this point with Marcus Freeman I'm not saying fire Freeman or whatever, but I don't know how you could be a Notre Dame fan and not be seriously seriously concerned about the direction of the entire coaching staff. I'm not singling out just Freeman. Reese is responsible. Hell, Al Golden is responsible. All the assistants. Everyone is responsible because Notre Dame showed up and they did not look ready to play at all from the very beginning, and that's on the coaching staff. Yeah. I mean, no, I can't believe there's anybody who isn't concerned out there. Uh, they lost to Marshall. Like that, I keep coming back to that. They lost to Marshall. Uh, and frankly, yeah, it just... I don't know. feels very disjointed. Um, I don't really have a whole lot to say other than that, just that like I don't have a lot of faith in where they're headed right now. <laughs> For Marcus Freeman, like you kind of mentioned at the beginning, like there's been this nine-month-long high, basically, for the fan base, the program, new era, all this stuff. And now he's put into a, in a situation that, to be honest, not a whole lot of coaches at Notre Dame who have been in this position have come out of on top. Actually, very few. And I would say Brian Kelly probably, he yeah, I would say he did because in 2016, it was really, really bad. And then he ended up turning things around. Notre Dame went on a good stretch. Can you think of other coaches who've been in this position that were able to get out of it? No. 
<laughs> no, I can't. Yeah, I mean that's just where we're at, and I think again we shouldn't we shouldn't put all of this on Freeman. That's that's not what I'm trying to say. We understand that the, right. we we all knew going into the season that there would be a bit of a learning curve, but there's just some things that are inexcusable, and losing to Marshall is certainly one of those things. And right. now you look at the schedule; every single game is a toss up. The only definitive wins I would say at this point are Navy and UNLV. Hopefully, um, yeah. We you and I watched that BYU Baylor game last night. BYU looks way better than Notre Dame right now. They look yeah. big and scary. I mean, North Carolina, we're going to have to score with them. I don't know how Notre Dame does that. I mean, yeah. there's issues with every team left on the schedule. Let me ask you, have your travel plans changed all in the past 24 hours? Oh, yeah. Um, so I actually, this is funny. I had booked North Carolina on uh, Friday afternoon. And uh, when Buckner threw that pick six, I looked – Still within 24 hours, so I canceled it and got all the money back. So that's that's all good. Um, I don't really want to go to Vegas at all, <laughs> like at all. Um, but I I think I probably will. And then I hadn't booked USC yet, so at least that's good because um, those were not cheap. Uh, but yeah, uh, not gonna. I don't know how many more times I want to go to South Bend. I don't really want to go next weekend. I, there's a lot of people that'll be there, so maybe just to see them, but. Yeah, it's they're like I said, they're unwatchable. <laughs> as bad as it is, but the idea of an unranked Notre Dame team coming out to take the field in green uniforms to play Cal next Saturday—that's like we're in the <sighs> twilight zone right now. I don't even know yeah. what what is happening. I don't either, and I don't. I yeah, it's it's just bad. Like I, I'm not articulating things well today because I'm so bewildered beyond belief that this is where we we fall into. Yeah. I the one thing though that I was thinking about yesterday is we've been playing with fire for years. Sure. Like we've been in this type of game so many times, especially over the past 5 years, like 2018, Ball State, Vanderbilt, back-to-back weeks. Now, the difference there is there's a clear issue at quarterback and a very simple resolution. Just yeah. Play Ian Book He's significantly better. The offense improves a ton the rest of the season. Notre Dame goes to the playoff. I guess 2019, rather than like playing with fire against a bad team, they just got absolutely throttled in the rain by Michigan. So a, a different type of embarrassing. Um, 2020, there was the Louisville game that was really obscure. And last year, Toledo, obviously. And now, again, it's Marshall, but Notre Dame actually lost. So I guess if you were trying to like do a positive spin zone here, you could say that Notre Dame has played down to their opponents before – and even though they played a bad team really close, they were able to figure it out, turn things around the rest of the season, and still have a really good year. With the Buckner injury, and again, I know that he wasn't spectacular, but he is the best running threat for Notre Dame right now. It's really going to say a lot about the coaching staff and what the team is made of in the weeks to follow because it's a lot easier to bounce back from, hey, we played bad, but we still won, compared to, wow, we played horrible, and we actually suffered the most disgusting loss in years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like I just, they didn't look very good. Like it's, I, I just, I, I don't know, especially offense and what you mentioned with Buckner. Like I just, it's hard for me to envision this turning out okay. It really is, unfortunately. Yeah, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Who knows with Cal at the time of this? We haven't seen the line yet. Have you seen it? Are we dogs? Are we home dogs to Cal? I no idea, but probably. <laughs> All right, let's try to figure that if you were the coach here and I know this is sort of a mute point but like where would you start 
Like, what is the first thing you would try to fix with this team? I know that there's a laundry list. Marcus Freeman said in his post-game press conference he, they need to fix everything. That's pretty tough to do in a six-day span. But, like, what is the biggest problem you think needs addressing? And we'll set aside the quarterback position right now because that's still so influx. Yeah, I guess the offensive line, especially if you're not going to have a quarterback, you have to be able to run the ball, and they have not shown they can do that, and that all starts up front. So that's, like, they've just been bullied in the trenches on both sides of the ball, really. That's been shocking. Um, but that needs to change. Yeah. That is definitely the most shocking thing. It was sort of built in all the preseason projections. Like Notre Dame has issues on the outside, yeah, but they're good enough in on the offensive front, the defensive front to figure things out. The offensive line, man, is just uh, – I guess it, we we kind of briefly said it before the season. You sort of alluded to it when you said North Carolina in 2020 had the worst offensive line in football. Everyone sort of just assumed that they would get better just because they were all coming back with more experience. That didn't happen for them, and it's sure as hell not happening to Notre Dame right now with this current line. And I know that Alt and Blake Fisher are talented, and, and do you see them as going first round? Like, I, that was just sort of a given. That doesn't look given. Z Corral looks lost. Jarrett Patterson is throwing a temper tantrum after the game, and I, I get he's emotional and he's upset, and he's, he's probably pissed he came back. But I, I don't know. It's not a good sign when even the leaders on the team are just – so I don't know if they're checked out or they're just what. Like, I understand being emotional and pissed off, but they showed this on the broadcast. I don't know if you were able to catch this from the stands. Isaiah Foskey was given this impassioned plea to the defense to figure things out. But by that point, Noreen was already down in the fourth quarter. It's like, where was that earlier in the game? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. <laughs> there's no hope. Again, I, I, <laughs> like I just it's bad. It's really bad. And there's only so much we can say about it. They're bad. They need to figure it the fuck out and play up to their potential and coach up to their potential and do all these things because it's absolutely embarrassing what they put on the field. Do you have any hobbies we can start? Like, what what should we do now? Because <laughs> I'm pretty lost because this occupies way too much of my time and energy. I'd imagine there's a lot of people listening here who feel the same way. And uh, I don't really know. Should we? I, I guess I could start, like, surfing or fishing or something. You That'd got anything? Cool. <laughs> No, I think the weather's about to turn for the worst probably, right, in a couple of weeks too. So uh, outdoor activities are somewhat <laughs> limited. Um, I got nothing. Um, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I just don't know. <sighs> have we have we seen the article headline yet? Have, has someone written the, has, is Marcus Freeman spending too much time recruiting? And I'm not even saying this isn't a fair question. I've just, we sort of joked about it last week. I think your exact quote was, let's hope we never think about the Marshall game again and this is going to be one of those losses that we're going to be talking about yeah. like 20 years from now. Yeah, I I literally thought about that yesterday. We spoke <sighs> it into existence in a way. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's uh it's tough. It's tough. I mean, there's 10 games left to go. Do you see any any way that Notre Dame can sort of right the ship here? This team's not making the playoff obviously. But at this point, like, hopefully this is the lowest it gets. Looking through the next 10 games of the season and considering where we're at right now, what would be a successful turnaround in your mind, realistically? I don't, like, I just don't think it's going to happen, so I don't even want to do the exercise. <laughs> no, you gotta, you gotta they give don't, me something. They don't have a quarterback. They do not have a quarterback. Like, that's a problem. They're they're gonna suck. <laughs> Is kind of the issue. The only way, honestly, they could potentially, I could see if they won the rest of the games, but that's not going to happen. Like anything less than 10 and 2 is a massive disappointment. I don't really care where they are right now. Um, 
that's the way the roster is built. You're supposed to beat at least 10 teams on this schedule. Uh, and it's not going to happen, especially not without a quarterback. And it's just – it's not okay that success can't be attained this year, but I just don't think it can. Yeah, I think the best-case scenario, because I think 10-2 and two is off the table. I just don't see a way this team turns around and just – runs off nine straight or 10 straight. If, if they did, it'd be an incredible turnaround for the team and make us feel a lot better about Marcus Freeman and this coaching staff. But I think best case scenario, probably Buckner could come back for like the Stanford game at this point, based on all the reports we've been hearing. I, I got to imagine he's going to be out at least a month. So let's say he comes back Stanford. That's October 15th. Notre Dame loses to BYU during the time. And then they, they either go nine and three or eight and four and Buckner shows some some developing. If the line shows some some improvement on both sides of the ball, and this team went nine and three, uh, if they somehow beat USC, and after watching their offense yesterday, I don't know how that's remotely possible. But I, I would consider if the nine and three season at this point, like okay, it was really close to going completely off the rails, but uh, Marcus Freeman and the staff figured things out and sort of saved it. Yeah, I mean, I would sign up for that. I'm just, I'm sorry, I don't see it. <laughs> I just don't. I just don't. This is uh, this is pretty bad, pretty bleak. What if Drew Pine is like the next Tommy Reese and just comes in and goes undefeated as a starter? <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's happening. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we talked about Freeman. We got to talk about Reese. Last week, um, we we sort of defended him, and I would say that the play calling today, what or excuse me, the play calling yesterday wasn't even the issue. The, if you're going to be pissed at Reese, which I certainly understand that if you're a fan, last week we gave him the benefit of the doubt. I don't know how you could possibly do that after this past performance. It's not even the play calling. It's just how does every offensive player come into the game looking not ready to play? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Tyler Buckner is Reese's guy. He recruited him. He's developed him for the past nearly two years. And he can't throw. I hate to say this. Right now, I, I'm not saying this is an indictment on his entire future because who, who knows what's going to happen with Buckner now. What's the difference between Tyler Buckner and Brandon Wimbush other than Buckner can probably throw a little bit farther? And Wimbush could probably run a little bit better. Yeah. I mean, is there a whole know. lot different? Not right now. I guess <laughs> maybe the good thing for Buckner is there's not this viral clip of him overthrowing like a swing yeah, pass true. six yards over his head so he's got that going for him that that pass to Lindsay at the end of the first half I don't even think this is hyperbole to say that's a season changing play if they convert that Lindsay was wide open wide open and you got and if if you hit that you go into the half with the lead hey bad half you have some momentum Buckner's got some confidence he throws his first touchdown pass of the season instead it's a little bit too far ahead of Lindsay I still think Lindsay's He's probably got to haul that in. I know it was a tough, and I, I'm putting more of the blame on Buckner because he's so open. You just got to put it on him there. But looking back, I, I think like when this season really just, if it does go off the rails, we're going to look back at that play and just think like, wow, imagine if if Lindsey catches that. 100%. Yeah, he's got to catch that ball. I don't, it was on Buckner, but he does have to catch that ball. Um, all right. That's where we're at right now. Um. Sky's falling. Notre Dame might stink. Oh, they do yeah. stink right now. I'm going to go for a walk in the rain and just let something <laughs> hit me, and maybe I'll feel something. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for joining us on a little therapeutic 
uh, session here. Again, Notre Dame 0-2 to start the season. Marcus Freeman 0-3 to start the career. Yeah, Uh, we're going to still be here twice a week trying to get us through this season. Um, I understand that you guys are probably feeling pretty similar to how we are now. Hit us up on social media at Sons of Sat Irish. You can follow us at there on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Like I said at the beginning, please subscribe and like the video below because, um, yeah, this is probably going to be a rough year. And misery sometimes needs company. And if we're going to be miserable the whole year, I hope you guys join us along the ride. And hopefully along the road here, we can find some laughs in it all and and try to make this as semi-enjoyable as possible. So appreciate appreciate you guys for listening. We'll be back again later this week to talk about uh, Cal, which I can't believe I'm saying this might be one of the most important games in Notre Dame Stadium in a really long time. So, uh, all right, we'll see you then. <laughs>